0: new. We're in our series, All Things New. Uh, So Jesus came and he gives this uh, amazing speech that takes three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We know it as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. It started with the Beatitudes. And uh, uh, this place was taken, I've actually been in the proposed location, uh, just outside of uh, Capernaum around the corner from Tiberius it's on Lake Tiberius or you know it as the Sea of Galilee which is not really a, a sea but uh, it, it's a beautiful place right there in the peak of the Sea of Galilee and it gives him a lot of room to speak and be able to see many monumental locations as he's giving this speech so and i and i say that because i really feel like he was seeing culture It was built all around the lake, and he was addressing issues, circumstances that were dividing cultures on both sides of this sea, this lake, and all the issues and circumstances. And in the middle of it, he's giving a a direct new method, philosophy or truth, kingdom principles, set of kingdom principles that would, if they just grabbed it, if we just grab it, we will change life here on Earth. And we've gone through four of the beatitudes. We're in number five in all things New. And my heart-throb is that we all catch this, and we really embrace this as not only a culture, kingdom culture, but as our personal culture, that we begin to try to put these practices into place in our home life first, in our personal life. Not push them on someone else until we embrace them ourselves and start making them a reality for us. And then from there, it starts to live outside in our homes with our children, our spouses, then into our church, our workspaces. And this is how kingdom comes to earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. And this is how we do that. This is how God has always intended. And so he says that. He meant this when he... Said these words that are these statements that all started with "Blessed are they," and "Blessed" is is the word "makarios" in the Greek. Uh, it's, it's "makarios," meaning it, it's a happy, no matter what the happenings are. Because the world says, "Well, I just I should be happy." Well. God gives us directions, knowing the, the culture and knowing the, the heartthrob of culture and the way the world would go. And so he goes, oh, you want that? I'll tell you how that happens. And it's a happiness, it's an internal joy and a fulfillment and a sense of, of peace and rest. And it's found, Jesus says, it's found in the most unlikely places. Like naturally, we would go here to be happy and blissful and blessed. But God says, no, but if you do this, I will bless it. And it's completely counterculture, and so many times it's hard for even the church to accept these true principles. And so he says, blessed are the merciful, the fifth beatitude, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And you may not think that's a big deal, but I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to explain to you why you want a lot of mercy. And mercy is this, it's a compassionate or kindly forbearance, and forbearance means I'm going to be very, very tolerant. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to practice self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. It means, like, you did me wrong, and I have every right to do something in response, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you a pass. Mercy. Forbearance, guess who it's towards, an offender, an enemy, or other person in your power, in one's power. Mercy. Mercy is this, it's not giving someone what they deserve. And God showed us mercy through Jesus. He showed us, he didn't give us what we deserve. And instead, by grace, he gave us something we didn't deserve. And that's what grace is. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve. Grace is, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve and I'm thankful for it. Grace means because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, we get eternal life. We get salvation, and we get justification. We are made right, as we discussed last week. We're in right standing with God, and that, that, that's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, we live in a culture, probably one of the most meanest societies of, of, a li- of life, uh, probably beyond here, equal to what Jesus lived in. It's We live in this place that's constantly trying to divide. They're constantly looking for you to fail and almost hoping that you might fail so that they can be a one and done. I'm done with you. Completely, completely cancel. We live in a cancel culture society. Somebody did something wrong, let's cancel them. Let's find a reason to cancel somebody or to begin to X them out of life. Shame, guilt, condemn, condemn to name them, They're, they'll do anything and almost take a joy or a pride in naming you, in blaming you, in shaming you, almost like a, in a, it's a self-righteous behavior that begins to produce this. Well, we've, I, I like to say this, we've become great judges of others, others sinned, but great lawyers of our own. Like, people, are, people, are, we're, people have become so happy in seeing you're wrong and showing and, con, and convincing and, and condemning as to why you're so wrong and what you did is so bad. But when it comes, it flips around to them. It's like, no, I have an excuse. I have a reason. There's a purpose. There's a valid, righteous purpose for what I did. You flip the tables. It's equally as wrong, but all of a sudden, because it's me, I'm Right? That's the culture we live in. And Jesus is saying, when you learn the art of being merciful, your heart is set free. And you too will be given the very same mercy in which you deliver. But this world is best represented by the mentality of, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do my part in hopes that what you're doing is going to fail. And when, it, when you do fail, I'm going to capitalize on that and I'm going to gain from it. That's the society, the mentality that is going on in this world right here. And the current culture has an I'm going to show you a type of attitude. I'm, I'm going to set you up. I'm going to look for a way to get you back. The other person is I'm going I'm to get you right there where you're hurting. I'm going to wait for opportunity to advance on you, advance in this situation because it's all about me and mine, and I'm going to get mine. That's the world that we're living in right now. And we can do we can, we can do something different, though, today, everybody. We can do something different with the incredible inner working of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to break that down, how that looks. But that's where we have to rely on because there's a constant battle in each and every one of us, me included. There's an old man that wants to rise up, but the new man is who God has created us with and given us and revived, but it's all through the inner working of the Holy Spirit and agreement with God's principles through his word. And so Jesus says, if you'll learn this art, you're not not letting them off the hook. You're letting you off the hook. Like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to forbearance, I'm going to practice forbearance. I'm going to let this one go. And I'm really going to let it go. And I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm not not saying you're good with it. I'm saying I just don't want to be attached to it anymore. Y'all feel? You see what I'm saying? That's that's what mercy does. It lets me off the hook. And the world says, I can't believe you let him off the hook. I didn't. I let me off the hook. So I'm going to give you two practices that help you apply mercy. And then I'm going to give you four directions we need to apply mercy. Four different directions that we need to apply this mercy. I'm going to give you two things that will help you practice that. Uh, and these four are actually areas that we're not applying mercy enough in. And so if we can practice the first two, then we can apply the, first, the next four in a very, in a, in a very advanced way. An increased measure so that we can be a people of mercy so that we can receive that same mercy. And so uh, we have to do this. Number one, practice is this. Remind ourselves how merciful God is to us. <laughs> God's been very merciful. And I've been a beneficiary of that mercy. And I mean every day. And one way I do this is, is, is to practice it, this, is to bring it back home through the Lord's Prayer. And every time I start to have that little heart Anger, you know, that little rise of tension and I start to get like my chest is about to blow up because I'm about to blow up on something or someone. I have to remind myself of this principle in the Lord's Prayer, these principles. And we we practice this in in August. We're going to have 21 days of prayer and we'll put this into practice on a very advanced level. But it starts with this, hallowed be thy name. That starts with worship. And then it goes to, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now we're trying to align ourselves with his agenda, right? So I start to worship, I'm aligning with his agenda. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. This is our needs. Now let's talk about our needs once we've aligned with his agenda. That's healthy because now we're bringing our needs under his agenda and now he can begin to place us under his will. We'll talk more about that in August. And then Jesus states this part of the prayer, and this is what gets me every time. Matthew six twelve, he says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And, and this word that, G, that the Lord uses, debts, is only used two times in the whole New Testament. And it's not debt like you and I think. You think, well, I owe the bank, you know, $5,000, or, or I got to pay a mortgage on my home. No, this actually means bankruptcy. Forgive me from my, my literal bankruptcy in life because without you I am bankrupt Lord in the same way I forgive those who are bankrupt who have debt who I feel like owe me in life in the same measure Lord in which I forgive them over everything that they've done against me or I feel like they've done against me or somebody I love would you forgive me in that same measure that's deep and I know it is And literally a debt so great that I can't pay, somebody else is going to have to step in. But if we think at this, if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. So why are we so willing to receive it, but we're so reluctant to give it back away? We must be a church that is quick to forgive, quick to give mercy, quick to create an environment where people know they can come in, receive mercy, receive forgiveness, not get what they deserve, but rather be welcomed, be loved, be, be taught the truth. We never dis- disagree with the truth. We embrace the truth. But in the midst of that, we're welcoming people, helping guide them to the truth so that they can be set free. And it's going to take, on a personal level, every one of us growing in this thing that Jesus calls mercy mercy, so that we can receive even more mercy. The more we give, the more he gives us, not only individually, but corporately as well. And we need a lot of mercy. So he addresses issues, but he forgives them in the midst of addressing the issue. When, When you came to salvation, if you've come to meet Jesus as your Savior, he addresses your issues... Like, you know there's a conviction, not a condemnation. But then he leads us to the truth, and he is the truth. Isn't that great? It's the same example that he has set for us to live out. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God's mercy is so abundant, and his love for us is so great, that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. And it is by God's grace that, that you have been saved. His grace alone. We didn't earn it. We couldn't do anything for it. It's just grace that he gave us this beautiful thing called salvation. And when you want to be angry with someone, remind yourself of that. I've been given way more than this right here. I was heading towards spiritual bankruptcy. I was going to have, have to spend the rest of my life Trying to pay my own debt, which I never could pay. But Jesus stepped in, stepped in my place, reconciled that, washed it away, and he paid the debt that I never really could pay. Okay, if Jesus did that for me, then I have to give that same thing away. So the forgiven forgive. And Jesus knows that once we realize this, it gives us greater capacity to forgive and release mercy on a greater scale. And that's what we're all looking for. I need capacity. Like, Lord, I, I can't do it in and of myself. I need help. Because the old man wants to do this, and the new man, though, that Jesus has given us by way of the Holy Spirit says, I, need, I, just, I just need to grow in capacity. I want to, Lord. I want to. And so remember, sorry, if you don't know that you've been forgiven a debt you couldn't pay, you're going you're to judge people. You're going to hold them in contempt. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you'll be more blessed if you just show them some mercy. My tendency, old flesh, says I'm going to judge them. Jesus says I'm going to find favor and blessing if I just release them. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let you have that. And here's a second practice that helps you be merciful. Remember, one, uh, we will all face God one day. We'll all be sitting in the same place, facing God. Now, my job here is not to do some kind of spiritual kumbaya and then kind of make hospital visits between Sunday to Sunday. My job. anybody Anybody grow up in the era where like toss test or star test or those pitiful, terrible, exhausting, exasperating, long seasons of teachers drilling you to prepare for one exam? School like school season. Did anybody? I think, I think my generation was the first. Like in the 90s was the very first in high school. I'm like, you're killing me with this. It became a full focus of a teacher to prepare you for one exam so that they wouldn't lose their job. It came down to, I'm just trying to save my tail. And so I'm going to make your life miserable so I can save my tail. Well, listen, this, this, is, this is not the same scenario <laughs> But I'm just going to tell you, I'm laying it out here because I'm, I'm doing my part. I'm not going to be responsible. I'm giving it to you. It's what you do with it from here is what's going to make your conversation, as you sit at that judgment seat before God and have that conversation on your own, you're going to be able to say, and he's going to say, well, no, you're, you were told. I sent a messenger to tell you about it. It was what you did with it after that I want to talk about. And so in the, the, the next part is, it, next verse of the Lord's Prayer, after forgive, he says this in Matthew 6, and it gets weighty. It gets weighty. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Yesterday, we had a little interaction with my kids. They're six and three, and they're, 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 they're fighting for you know, territory and who's going to be the strongest. And, and right now, my daughter is older. She can bully my little my son. He comes in crying and he's saying, he's always, he's very illustrative in his, in his communicating. He's a storyteller. And so he's telling us, he's hitting himself, like hit himself in the head. It's like, she hit me. She hit me. And so I have to tell her often, don't bully him. Don't be a bully. So I go in there and I'm like, okay, come on. I grab her by the hands and she knows. Are you going to spank me? Like these bright eyes. I say, yeah, let's go. And so I'm, I'm taking her into the room and I, and I'm placing her on the bed. And she said, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. like. So I look in the eyes and I'm told, this is genuine repentance. And says, okay, but play fair, get along, be kind, and don't be a bully. And she goes in there. I don't spank her. She goes in there. She gives him a hug. I'm so sorry. They have the best day of getting along and playing fair and encouraging one another. And so I go in there and I'm talking with Allie. My goal is not punishment. And you need to know that God's goal is not punishment. My goal is for them to find a place of agreement, get along, do life together, and be very encouraging towards one another. And when I can see repentance, there's no need to follow because the punishment has already been done. The lesson has already been learned. And this is the same goal that God has for you and I. I'm not the creator of that. He is. He's he's never intending to punish us. His whole goal is for us to do life together, be very effective, move his kingdom forward, and get over ourselves. So he says this, But if you don't forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And I'm telling you, it's weighty. But it angers God when we are willing to receive something that we're not willing to give away. Think about it. If you're a parent in here and you've given your child something... There's not, there's not much worse than seeing them unwilling to give that very same thing away that they have so freely received. And that's why he says, freely you have received, so freely give. And Peter has this conversation, and, and he, has this, he brings it to Jesus, and he says, well, Lord, how often do we need to forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. And that's 490 times a day. Can I just do some math for you? Because we have 24 hours in a day. So if you didn't sleep at all, you would need to be forgiving according to God's commands. Every three minutes, you're forgiving somebody. And it might be the same person. Every three minutes of your life, because he says forgive and you will be forgiven, don't and you won't. And some of you are like, oh me, oh my. Oh <laughs> then Jesus gives a parable after this about a master who forgave another man of what modern day would be equivalent of 5 billion dollars. And $5 billion is a lot, and if you don't think it is, come talk to me. i got some Heart for the Kingdom things projects. We want to move forward. You know, we can do some stuff together. And so he forgives this man. A debt it was bankruptcy, right? $5 billion. And then this man, who was just forgiven, goes and he finds a servant of his, and for $10,000, equivalent of $10,000, starts to strangle him and say, Hey, you owe me some money. The king, the master, found, finds out about this and he, cu- he brings in the man he had just forgiven the $5 billion for who was strangling the man for $10,000. He says, hey, you un- ungrateful servant. I can't believe it. I just forgave you this great unpayable debt. And here you are not, be- not passing on this same favor of mercy. And then he cast him into jail where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, everybody. Ganash. I don't know why G is on the front of that word anyway. Y'all know, find, figure it out, let me know. And so then he says this, Matthew 18, 33, shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? Man, he makes all things new. Gives us perspective. And in James, the brother of Jesus says this in 2, verse 2, chapter two thirteen. so you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you okay you get past that first judgment oh you 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 you've confessed jesus as your lord and savior okay you go to this line sorry you didn't you go to this line (laughs) you go to this and but this line goes over to the to he's like pastor nathan nathan harrington and you're just kind of going okay it's my turn at the the white so the white seat judgment and then he's going to ask you what'd you do with what i gave you he's going to ask you did you show mercy in the same way I showed mercy to you? And, and if you're showing that mercy, Lord, to the best of my ability, beyond my own desires and sometimes heartfelt attitudes, I did my best to show mercy in the same way. That, that's the response of those who say, yes, yes. I I am showing mercy. I'm giving it away. I don't want to do this. Like, my heart wants to do this, but I'm trying to grow in capacity. So I forgive, and I release, and I bless, and I forbear. And he says this, but the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Absolutely, Lord. I did my best. I I am human. I've got error. I've got a hard heart sometimes. But because of everything that you gave me, yes. Yes person who does this can stand without fear. And the temptation is always right there. But if we're going to miss this thing in this church, I would rather us miss it on the side of being overly merciful than on the side of being judgmental. Because we can't grow and people can't grow in a judgmental environment. But when you're merciful and you're giving it away, you're still addressing the truth. You're giving God's word back to them, but you create it with an atmosphere of acceptance and love. And it's going to be all right. We're going to get this thing together. Let's just move on and get past it. That does some things. And the only way we're going to change the world around us is if we create that culture in that environment. And people know this is a safe place to mess up but we don't stay there. Amen? Come on. So let's stand before God, having loved too much than having judged too harshly. So I'm not saying everything we do is perfect, but if we're going to miss it, let's just miss it with a lot of mercy. Uh, I got some staff words uh, in my birthday. Allie loves to embarrass me. It's probably my pride uh, but or insecurities, uh, but she'll ask the staff, she asks the staff, hey, uh, what's a word that uh, describes Pastor Nathan and you know, yada, yada, yada. And so she did, and a lot of patience and merciful and things along those lines. And what they don't realize is, no, that's not my first in- inclination. Like the first is, I want to lash out and I want to get angry and I want to respond. But trying to grow in capacity... That's the old man. I'm just giving being real with y'all. This is how that looks. The old man wants to rise up. He wants to be resurrected. He's looking for an opportunity. That old man inside of you is looking for an opportunity to show himself. And Satan is always trying to resurrect him. But he doesn't have the power. We have the power to resurrect that old man. And the moment we agree with the old man... We raise him from the dead. But Jesus says, no longer is he alive. The old is gone and the new has come. So I have to practice and grow this capacity of the new man so as the old man will continually lay to rest. And eventually, it gets easier and easier and easier the more I say less and less and less and just address the truth and love people in the right direction. It works. And so I'm asking everyone that we embrace something that the world is demanding we not be. We are literally called to this. This we are agents of this ministry. Look at this, Micah 6 8 says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Man, when he has a group of people that do that, he can do some things. And we can do some things together. Second Corinthians five sixteen and 19 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And while the world is trying to separate us and divide us and finding differences of you're vaxxed, you're not, you're Democrat, you're Republican, you're black, you're white, you go to this group and you fit in this group. And it's a constant segregation, even though they say they're not, Jesus says it ought not be. Let's just apply mercy to everybody and let's just bring everybody in. The Bible says don't look at people from a worldly point of view. Where's your doctrine coming from? How are you seeing people when you see them? What's calculating through your through your mind? Therefore, he says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. There it is. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you have a ministry, it is the ministry of reconciliation. It bugs me when people say, uh, my ministry. You don't have a ministry, it's God's ministry. This, this church is not Pastor Nathan's ministry. No, my ministry is a ministry of reconciliation, and it just happens to be that I get to do it with you through this church. Y'all, y'all seeing me? Because my, our whole role, any ministry, we do together. The ministry I own is the one Jesus gave me, and that is to reconcile people, lost people, back to him in whatever avenue, vessel, or method he has called me to in that, that season. You got it? That's our ministry right there, and it's all of our ministry. So he gave us this in life, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And this doesn't mean that we don't address conflict, we don't address issues, we don't address wrongs that have been done. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about sin. People need the truth to be addressed. We uphold the truth, we embrace the truth, but we don't point and look at them and say, look what you did. Now we say, hey, there's a way out of this, and this way will set you free. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. This is C.S. Lewis, former atheist, found God, realized why can how can I not forgive? Four directions. Let me give you four directions to show mercy. We're called to show mercy to those who make mistakes. Much of the time it's it's not even the world that falls short here, it's the religious world, the, the super churches. Like they're overchurched and they've got become such judges in the seat of the church. The religious, in Matthew twelve seventeen twenty 20, says, This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. A reed is something that's so full of, a plant so full of water, you just kind of lightly graze it. It bruises and it wants to fall over. Tendency would be to cut it so that it can grow again. But the, oh, uh, Jesus comes along and he strengthens that reed where, right where it is. Or a flickering candle. Anybody have a, ever, that flickering candle? It's like putting out all this soot and the wax is almost gone and it's just kind of ready to go out. And Our tendency is to go and blow it out, right? But Jesus comes and revives that candle. He gives us a whole different perspective. He does it differently than we would. James 2.13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we're, we're called to show mercy to those who let us down. Any amens in this house? <laughs> yeah, they're ch- Jesus said in Luke 23, let's see in that time uh, when it happens. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he's doing this when, when he was denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused. And humiliated. And he did it in these same scenarios because you and I would be denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused, and humiliated. He was setting setting an example, a standard, a kingdom principle that says, Hey, my people, even in these times we apply mercy. Colossians three, twelve through thirteen says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Listen, it's not on you. Like you gotta go to the closet, get it, put it on, and clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's not like Doctor Strange. You see the movie Doctor Strange, and all of a sudden he finally he finds his cape and his cape just wraps himself, wraps itself on him and defends him all the time. It's not like that. Like, you got to go get it. If you were here last week, that meal that Jesus is serving up that you have to eat from so that you can understand the fullness of what he ultimately has for you in life. Like, you got to take and you got to cut that steak up yourself and you got to eat it. He's not, he's not looking for babies that he's spoon feeding. Do you like the little mush? Like, you got to go and put that, cl- that, cl- that clothing on. You got to go and put compassion on. I don't feel compassionate. Great. Go put. The compassionate on. Go put the kindness on. Go put humility, gentleness, and patience on. It doesn't just come as a download. It's working with the inner working of the Holy Spirit that brings the change. And he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So put in your mind somebody right now that you need to forgive. Mm, You got somebody? Already, right? You're like, scroll. And if you're like me, if you're like me, you're right. And Jesus says, forgive them. Apply mercy to that person that comes to your mind first, like a neon sign. That's the person I want you to forgive first. And if it's hard, every three minutes, 490 times a day, wake up throughout the night forgiving them until you actually believe it. And when you say their name or hear their voice or you hear their name or you see their picture, nothing but compassion, kindness, humility, honor comes in your heart because on that side of this meal, you'll realize and remember, they're broken people too. God loves them just like he loves me. And they were somebody's victim at some point, and I will not let them be the villain in my life. I'm setting me free. Was a revival in this room right now. <laughs> the Bible says, Do you want to go to bed at night with your soul at rest? Give mercy. Forgive the beatitudes, remember, are not for the receiver. The beatitudes are for the giver. Like I benefit, I'm blessed when I do this. The beatitudes are for the your blessedness. And you can you can get mad, or you can show mercy. But the moment you show mercy, kingdom principle comes in, so kingdom favor comes in, and so your life will be blessed, and your soul will live at rest. And the Bible says, uh, sorry. In five, so, mother, and this is my mother and mother-in-law's favorite. Writer here, Max Lucado, he says this, unfaithfulness is wrong, revenge is worse, but the worst part of all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that's left. Anybody know anybody that's bitter? Hmm. Nobody wants to be around a, a bitter individual. Nobody. It sours everybody's life. My, uh, my grandfather, my grandparents live on a farm always, and so my, my grandmother has husband, Papa James. My gr- first grand, my grandfather passed away, went on to be with the Lord. She remarried and, and uh, met a man I called Papa James. And so they've both gone on to be with the Lord last December and January now. And, but I, I, w- I, got, I was able to spend a lot of time with them, and, and when God was bringing a lot of healing into my life. And I'd see them. My, my grandmother's fiery. Like she's, she was feisty, got a lot of energy, you know, kind of get a little pep from her. And so I, I would see them, and I would work with my grandfather. And I would say, ask him, how do they keep their relationship so healthy and so strong? And, and how is he so patient with her? Because I know her, and And, <laughs> and he says, every time, every time something would happen, I just go get out on my tractor. And so I equated that tractors heal marriages. <laughs> he used it as a, as a mercy tool. Let me just, I'm just going to get out of the space. I'm going to apply mercy and I'm going to get out of the way and I've come back. I'm going to come back with a different heart. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we should do. We're called to show mercy to those who are far from God. And this is church. This is a church where we, if we're going to build this thing together, then we have to be a people that are committed to showing mercy to a lost and a hurting world. A world that is full of divisiveness and pain and struggle and confusion it's going to require a great deal of mercy to be, to be delivered into the hearts of those people that are hurting, that are wounding, that are down and out, that are confused, that are tra- traumatized, that are emotional, emotionally wounded. It's going to take a lot because they're going to throw some stuff at us to see and test us to see where we're at if we're really going to love them where they are. And our whole the mission statement at this place is to love people where they are and help them become all God created them to be. It's that simple. I want us to look like Jesus, not the religious type. Jesus just knew this, though. He always connected before he corrected. Like, I can't can't tell you about and point you in the way of freedom if I don't have a relationship with you. Thursday morning I sat with a group of men that I meet with every Thursday morning and I love the conversation. I didn't even guide it. It just went to how do we love these people groups? How do we show them that they can trust us? How do we put on this truth, this atmosphere of you're welcome, you're loved, you're invited, you're not judged, we are, there's mercy all around so that we can effectively lead them towards freedom. Man, it was a beautiful conversation. That's who we need to be. That's who Jesus asked us to be. He says this in Matthew 9-10, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but the sinner. He says, I have not come to punish people. I come to set them free. And so he says, this is the hardest one. This is the hardest one, number four right here. We're called to show mercy to ourselves. This is the one people struggle with the most. And so oftentimes those who struggle to show mercy towards themselves, they struggle to show mercy towards anyone else. And then there's another type, there's another people that says, I can forgive everybody else, but I can't forgive me. And Jesus says this, or Psalms says this in 38, I am drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden too heavy to bear. Yes, they are, they are. Thank you, Jesus. Because I have been foolish, I'm worn out and utterly crushed. My heart is troubled. You think, I've, I've, I've disappointed Jesus. I've disappointed God. No, you haven't. No, no, you have not. God knows everything. He anticipated the decisions that you would make. And in, and in light of that, He still chooses you. He still calls you. He still wants you. He still desires you. He's still looking forward to working through you. In spite of what you see when you look in the mirror. And Paul understood this in 1 Timothy 1, 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He got it. He realized how bankrupt he is without Jesus Christ. He realized there was a debt he could not pay. He didn't come to make you sorry. He came to set you free. And he doesn't want you in shame or guilt. He just wants you free. And today, many are going to find freedom because they're going to receive mercy or you're going to give mercy. But ultimately, the shame and the guilt, maybe it's towards self, towards others. If you apply this principle, you'll receive more mercy and you'll be set free. Can I pray for you? I just want to pray today because it may be that you've yet to receive this mercy and you're finally realizing I am bankrupt. I've tried everything I could and it doesn't work. I struggle to sleep at night. I'm angry when I go to bed. I'm angry when I wake up. I'm angry at lunch. I'm angry at Various people and relationships. I'm hard to get along with at work. I'm frustrated with everything. I just want to invite you today to receive that mercy. So that you'll have the capacity to deliver the same mercy to everyone around you. You're here today and that's you. I just want to invite you to say these things and truly commit to receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Father, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. I repent for being unmerciful. Please forgive me. Help me to forgive others in the same way. And I declare you as Lord and Savior. I believe that you were dead and buried for three days. Raised again so that I may have eternal life. And here's the best part. Holy Spirit... Would you fill me up and begin your inner working to change my life? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen? Is that good, everybody?